I'm Jerry Oster. On today's podcast, we have former U of M Bison and soon-to-be pro Jordy Zacharias joining on, joining us. But first, we need to welcome him back. He's back, folks. I think we confused a lot of people last week because we had you for the interview, but didn't have you for the intro. And I got a lot of flack for that. So that was my bad. I didn't tell people what was going on. But uh, welcome back to the podcast, the main man. They call him Triple Y. Chewy, how are we doing? Good. It's good to be back. It was uh, nice to take a little break, but I'm excited to get back. And, uh, you know, this podcast, there's, uh, you know, she's a unique uh, individual. She's kind of played everywhere, done everything in female hockey, especially in the province of Manitoba. And it's going to be good to see what uh, she has to tell us. Nice. So let's uh, let's touch on your vacation there. Where'd you go on your vacay? I uh, took the family up to Clear Lake, uh, Rady Mountain National Park. Uh, nice. Rented a little cabin and uh, you know did some beach, uh, did some um, you know adventure trails with the little guy. Caught some uh, you know leeches. He was pretty excited to see how those work and all that. And then uh, I actually rented a kayak by myself. And oh. I was pretty excited. I stayed afloat, didn't fall over, or didn't flip over, or, or uh, turn over, I guess the proper term is. But uh, I was wearing a life jacket, and uh, actually, I think I'm going to buy one now. I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. Well, that's, you know, I, I like that you said you were wearing a life jacket, because you should always wear a life jacket, you know? When you're having fun on the water, remember, always wear a life jacket, okay? Uh, well, that sounds like a good trip. You, uh, you're a beach guy, huh? Yeah, I like to go, you know. A little bit up. of a beach boy? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say beach boy. I don't have the beach bought at all. Like, I'm not David Hasselhoff running down the beach. No. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I like to pull up a lawn chair, get there, sit, get the feet in the sand a little bit. Just like, you know, the song goes, you know, feet in the sand and all that. And, yeah. But uh, it was nice to relax, get away. But, uh, you know, you, you miss this place. You miss everybody around it. It's nice to be back. I hear you. You do kind of miss uh, as much as... You know, the grind gets to you a little bit. Uh, it's nice to take a couple uh, couple days to, you know, replenish. But uh, it's always good to get back to. I find, too, as I'm getting a little bit older, the longer I stay off the ice, it's just detrimental. Yeah, I don't feel... The first day back always feels like I haven't skated in a couple of years. So uh, the good thing, though, is it doesn't take us old dogs long to bounce back, does it? What's the alternative? You can uh, take a dog... I don't know where I'm going. Take a dog on a walk, but you can't uh, walk it on a leash that's right exactly that's what i was gonna say yeah. i just made that one up okay so let's get to some hockey talk here Kay. uh first round of the playoffs are kind of winding up now we're starting to see you know these playoffs are starting to intensify uh what's your initial thoughts so far on the first couple of rounds here well it's been unique because you know all the if you look at some of the way the brackets were set up you think some of the big boys like edmonton um you know even pittsburgh you know the guys that have been through it we're going to be able to walk through their first round and get into the second or third round but it's gonna i think there's some cinderella stories that are brewing and i think it's great for the nhl they've done a great job with the bubble they've kept you know most of their players there which we'll touch on a little bit later Mm -hmm. but uh they've done a really good job with it i think people are starting to watch it and i think it's going to be a real exciting finisher yeah, I mean, I've I loved every second of it. I'm not going to ever complain about having three games a night. Um, you know, sometimes you don't watch all three, but just having it on in the background when you're cooking dinner is pretty nice. Um, 
I've noticed a little bit of an edge in these games, so I don't know if you've noticed the same, but uh, fighting is making a comeback. And uh, what's your thought on that, and, and why do you think it's starting to kind of make a comeback this year as opposed to years, uh, previous years? Well, I think maybe first and first, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. So there always, there's always those after whistle, you know, scrums and the jarring and all that to kind of go on. But I think these guys are really showing what the Stanley Cup means to them. And I think when they play for keeps, they're, you know, in a close, you know, high contact sport. So I think that's coming back to it. Uh, it's been good to see because I think it's kind of kept the cheap shots down in the game. You know, it's kept all that. But I also wonder, like, I wonder if it's just because they see each other every day in the hotels, you know, in the lobby. Maybe they're fighting for, you know, the old trick where you had the elevator door open and then you see the, you know, the Dallas Star guys come running and you close the door as quick as you yeah. can. But uh, Classic trick. Know, yeah, there's a lot of that, uh, you know, you, you got to think about it. But it's, I like to see it because it's really kept the game honest. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with the guys being in the bubble, you know, no girlfriends, no wives, no family. I think guys are just going out and getting a little bit of uh, their aggressions out on the ice. But I don't mind it. I like, uh, like you said, I like that type of hockey. I don't want stage fighting. And I don't think there has been many stage fights. You know, um, someone gets a big hit or a cheap shot. You're seeing guys take care of it on the ice. And, I, and I'm all for that. Uh, it's been kind of refreshing as opposed to the last couple of years where... You know, there wasn't as many fights going on. So, um, okay, well, last thing I guess I want to kind of touch on is uh, what your thoughts were on Tuka Rass. So for people who don't know, if, if you don't know and you're listening to this hockey podcast, Tuka Rask, uh left the, the bubble. There was always the opt-out clause, but I didn't think that we would see, I didn't think we'd see many players opt out once the playoffs started. So uh, what's your take on the whole Tuka Rask situation? Well, you know, for me, it's 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 uh, kind of a two sort for me where I understand where the comments he made about having a family and a newborn at home mm-hmm. you know how hard it was to one leave and then the situation all the medicals having newborns in the house and all that so I understand that fact but like you say the one thing is I was really surprised he left when he did but the thing is when I heard the GM and the head coach and some of the players talk about it that they're close-knit you know he's one with some of those guys so for me to see him leave uh, and get the okay from the teammates. But, you know, the teammates are going to always say the right thing. But I think for him to say that he has the ability to leave and be okay with it, I think that it must be something that pretty serious about it. But, uh, I don't know, it's hard to leave your teammates when you're going to war. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Uh, you know, if you commit to it and you get there and you're in there. The thing I didn't like was the comments um, the day before where, you know, Tukaras came out and said that he wasn't really enjoying the games. He said they felt like exhibition. They didn't feel like playoff games. And then the next day he leaves the bubble. That was, if that had never come out and, you know, they said all he, you know, family, newborn, all that stuff. I'm a family first guy. I totally get that. I didn't love the comments prior because that kind of now makes you think, well, what is it really? Yeah. You know, and and Tukarask is at the end of his contract. I think he's got one more year and was was also talking about retiring as well. So I I don't know the situation. Like obviously Boston is keeping it pretty, you know, close to their chest, but I almost feel a little bit like if you got a top end goalie like Tukarask and you want him around for another year. You know, you're going to let him do pretty much whatever he wants, right? And the good thing for Boston is that they do have a, you know, a 1A and 1B. 
So Halak came in the other night. He's looked pretty good. My big question is if Halak gets hurt, look out Boston. <laughs> well, for especially for Halak, you know, he knows now that he's the man, which is great. Goalies want to know that they're gonna. They're, he knows he's starting every game. He knows the team's gonna battle in front of him. But if something happens, it's just like he knows there's not much behind him. Someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, there's not that other goalie behind him. So. You know, that's going to get into his head where those, you know, tight, close-knit games, like those 4-4 games, or if it's a, you know, a 6-5 game, whatever it is, and those back-to-back games, you know, he's got to win 20 games or something like that to win the Stanley Cup for them now. So it's going to be tough for him to kind of keep a right mindset. I heard they went out and got David Ayers. <laughs> a little shout-out to David Ayers. No? Maybe he'll follow us. You know, like maybe <laughs> oh, just... Let's put him in the hashtag or whatever we do for social media today. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the podcast. Like I said before, we got former U of M Bison Jordy Zacharias coming up, so let's get to it. Jordy Zacharias walks out, shot, and scores! Right off the draw. Welcome to the podcast, former U of M Bison, current rink employee, and soon-to-be professional hockey player. Welcome to the podcast. Jordy Zacharias. How are you, Jordy? I'm doing good. It's quite the intro. Quite the intro. <laughs> it is quite the right? intro. I'm getting better. And then yeah. over my left shoulder, oh, icons beside me here. Oh we got Addy Miles Abbott. Okay, if you guys don't know who Addy Miles Abbott is, just turn the podcast off right now. Yeah. I don't Actually, maybe I shouldn't be telling people that. Keep yeah. the podcast on and learn who she is. <laughs> keep, uh, keep rolling. How are we doing, Addy? Good, good. How are you doing, Jared? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just had a double-double and I'm jacked up on caffeine. <laughs> so let's get to it. Uh, Jordy, um, you know, a couple months ago, hockey shut down. What were you doing when, you know, COVID hit and uh, how did it affect your hockey career? So right in the middle of March, obviously my season was done a little early this year. So I kind of had in my mind that I was done. I was retired. That was going to be it. And then COVID hit and I was like trying to think of what should I be doing? So I just started training for fun and then got an email about the opportunity to play in the PWHPA potentially. So um, that was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't know it was really gonna be an option, but um, something a little happy in the midst of all the all the chaos. So uh, for the last couple of months, I've just kind of been training as I was waiting to get back into my daily routine. So. Nice. So like when we, we've talked to a lot of athletes about what they were up to, like when, when the COVID hit and stuff like that, um, what are some things that you did on your own? Uh, did you train in the basement? Were you working out in the garage? Uh, kind of run us through a typical day during those uh, days you were training yourself. I tried to stick to routine because I really had nothing going on. So pretty much wake up, do some yoga, um, and then I'd get into, yeah, I started with just like dumbbell weights in the basement. I have like two 10 pounders and a med ball pretty much was all I had. I was doing a lot of the um, Orange Theory Fitness. They okay. had like online workouts. So starting with those until I was able to train here. And then once it was nice enough outside, I was doing a lot of running and sprinting and stuff outside. And everyone's like, oh, how'd you get such a good tan? Yeah. <laughs> I've literally been sitting outside all day. Cause sometimes I'd be working out two times a day just cause I had so much time or I'd be shooting pucks in the backyard. Like it was kind of a bit of a blessing in some ways. Cause this whole summer I've like had the ability to train 
yeah. like a professional athlete basically and get paid by SERP for doing it. So yeah. I was living the life. Well, that's awesome. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey through through your hockey career, uh, you know, minor hockey and, and up to kind of university. Yeah, so I started hockey from the beginning. My dad played, my brother's two years older than me, he played. So I started as soon as I was five. I think I was three years old out on the ice in a pink jumpsuit, cruising around, learning how to skate. So by five, I was ready to go to play. Um, so yeah, I grew up through minor hockey in South Winnipeg, and then I played boys until uh, my grade nine year. So just in the Twins organization, uh, AA, and had great experience. I was very fortunate with my age group, the 97s. Like I had such a great group of guys that I was with. And even the one year when I was 10, we split and it was South Winnipeg. So it was Fort Richmond and Fort Gary combined, and they made four teams out of it. So I got to play with a lot of other new players and all those guys were were great too so I had a really good experience which is probably why I played for so long and then it got to a point where I was in Bantam and you know some of the guys are still my size some are getting a little bit bigger and my parents were thinking well if you switch over now it's probably a good transition Um, so back when I played hitting started at 11 so now I'm going to be going into 14 probably not going to be touching the puck as much so that's when I made my switch over to female and uh, it was a good time for me I think personally but um, I've had a great experience through minor hockey and then yeah I played so minor hockey with the twins and then I went to St. Mary's from played on the prep team and then got a scholarship to the University of Connecticut so uh, I always kind of missed my high school friends the kids that I grew up with because a I played boys so I was so close with those guys and then my other girlfriends that just never played the same level as I did so once I had that I decided to go back to Fort Richmond Collegiate for grade 12 and then I played with the Winnipeg Avros so I kind of dipped in dipped my feet in the prep and the AAA system when I started with the prep the AAA wasn't traveling as much. It was mostly just the league games. So you okay. weren't getting as much exposure. But by the time I was in grade 12, which is just showing how fast within that three years that the female game was growing, we were going to Stony Creek, the Washington tournament, Notre Dame, all the same oh, wow. ones that I did with St. Mary's. And then I just saved my parents a year <laughs> tuition at private school. So nice. so yeah, I had great experience both places. It just, I wanted to graduate with with the kids I grew up with, so I got to experience high school with both groups. So, so. you went to FRC as grade a, in grade 12? Yeah. Well, that now we're already closer because like, I did the same thing. Really? I went to FRC for grade 12, graduated out of FRC in grade 12, went to Massey for two years, oh. and then went back. Same thing, my buddies were all at FRC, yeah. so why not get back up. and graduate with them? So. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good time. I liked being back on a semester system, especially yeah. with hockey. I, would go to school in the morning and then have the afternoon off, which is why RHAs are really great option here at the rink. <laughs> little plug there. A little plug for RHA. Nice. <laughs> you get to be home by dinner. So, um, but yeah, both experiences were great. So then, yeah, after high school, I went to University of Connecticut for a year. Um, wasn't a huge fan of being super far away from home. Um, so then I came back, called up John Rempel, and he said, come see if it's a fit for you. And then four years with the Bison from there. Nice. So now is this when you guys, did you guys like with Addy, did you guys know each other before that or was that kind of where you first met Addy? Yeah, that would have been at university. I don't think I knew. No, we would have, I've got a couple years on Jordy. Yeah. 
couple couple years on Jordy, but I definitely knew about her uh, going in being the skills coach for the Bisons, and it was a massive pickup when we heard that we were getting Zacharias back from UConn. That was a big big deal. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So let's let's go through a little bit of your time at University of Manitoba. You spent four years there. Um, you know, what were the four years like? I mean, you met Addie, so all of a sudden, um, you know, you started working a little bit more in skill development. Um, yeah, let us know a little bit about your four years with U of M. Yeah, so kind of our schedule, how it went is we would practice Monday through Thursday and then Two of those days were optional morning skills practices. Okay. So if it allowed to work with your school schedule, then you could go and uh, join Addy for some skills. <laughs> and I think my second and third year, I had a lot more time for that, just with a lot of availability. Like when you're earlier on in your university, you can pick classes pretty right. flexibly. Um, and then in my fourth year, we had Maggie. So yeah, we had lots of Bison alum come through that um, also worked at the ring that worked with us but yeah second year was a bit of an adjustment um, it's just a different style of game in in new sport compared to the NCAA I think they're equally as competitive it's just a different I don't know different vibe kind of and just yeah. you know any school you go to they're gonna have different expectations different culture which the bison culture is exceptional and it has been probably since Addie engineered and pioneered it, I'm sure, back in the day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so second year is a bit of an adjustment, and uh, we we were supposed to do quite well, and then it didn't go as planned. But and then third year, I kind of got to play with um, Venla Hovey and Alana Sharman, and we kind of just like hit it off from there. So third year was the year we won nationals, and that was just the most insane journey I've ever been on. But it was it was so wild to think like in the semifinals we're down a game to Alberta and um Hovey came back from Korea after winning bronze was however 20 hours jet lag and then played that game we won it in overtime to take it to Sunday which went to four overtime okay that's what I was gonna ask I was like okay is that the one that went forever the second game was a quick overtime we scored pretty quick into it and we were right back in it and then the Sunday game, so it's a best of three. So it was a big deal because that's what qualifies you for nationals, even if you, so the top two teams in Can West go to nationals. Okay. So as soon as you win the semifinal that year, you're going to nationals. And that team had been such a struggle because Calgary had been hosting nationals the past couple of years, and since they're in our division, yeah. only one team go. So the Bisons had made the finals the past two years, but never got to go oh, because okay. of it. So, big deal. Obviously, it's four overtimes. Um, I may have scored the goal. (laughs) You may have scored scored the the best goal of all time. And the announcer in that game was incredible. Zacharias from Hovies. Far pad, token, rebound, perfect placement. Unreal. Very, very good. Okay, here's my question, though. Because, you know, I care more about the celebration. What was oh, the celly like? There, it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was, think it was more, sorry, like, no. jump so high that you could see my belly, which was not flattering. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was one of those things, like, so emotional. You think about it. So it's over two hockey games. Yeah. And each period we're going into the room, they're bringing us, like, granola bars and everything no one wants to eat anything i think they closed down i remember they closed down the canteen so everyone's mad that they can't get beverages <laughs> and then they reopened it in the first overtime and i think by the second they sold out they had nothing so um yeah they had nothing left and everyone's just exhausted but 
and there was only about six minutes left in the fourth overtime too so we oh, played wow. most yeah. of that period as well and it was a 0-0 game but people would come up to me and be like that was the most exciting game yeah. I've yeah. ever been to and I'm like really like nobody scored but it was breakaway after breakaway posts like yeah. just so many great chances and Alberta's such a great team and that's who we lost to the year before but the biggest thing that whole year was the amount of support we received from the fans and the community like the whole football team would always be out so then we got to host canvas finals which winning nationals is definitely like the best thing that could have happened but that's like a close second just we held the record for the most people at a game men's and women's hockey at u of m with i think it was close to a thousand so which for wayne fleming is almost a so i remember game two we won game one again in overtime i think we had four of our seven games were overtimes that yeah. whole playoff series so then game two it was it was about a five two i remember scoring the fourth goal and the whole building just erupted yeah. and when we won everyone flooded the ice and so it was that is kind of the memory that's always in my head because sure. when we won nationals it was against western in western so it was a sold out building but no one was no there one for us yeah. so yeah but then yeah when we got to it just as soon as that fourth overtime game happened it just like everything kept falling into place even then i what no one was sitting on the bench like what if we lose what if we lose like yeah. and then same idea in the semifinals and nationals it's a shootout against concordia that's how you advance to the national championship oh, wow. is yeah. a shootout yeah. and yeah no one was nervous we knew we just knew so do you think like in that season do you think like going to all those overtimes you guys just kind of became kind of it's used to it kind of yeah yeah, yeah and we had i think three or four shootouts in the regular season too so we had played a lot of overtime so it goes overtime four on four three on three then shootout yeah. so in the regular season we we're quite used to it too but yeah it was it was a phenomenal year but very cool experience because yeah. the one thing that i definitely remember being a jordy zacharias fan in that building was it was just her celebration was just so genuine mm-hmm. you knew that it wasn't a Jordy goal it was a team goal yeah. which was very cool and being a you know alumni in that building yeah completely packed it was the coolest feeling so, so did you see it while you were signing autographs <laughs> or in the corner like, how did you see the goal? <laughs> the goal I'm the one with the waiting for the beverages I still but, remember <laughs> there's a video I we gotta find it and everyone's just like jumping beans yeah. and there's Addie and someone else and they're popping up and down yeah. hugging each other and you could just see it in the corner yeah. of the camera but well, that's awesome being from you know an alumni of U of M um, what was it like watching kind of like the players that you've coached now uh, a little bit different from when you played and you won uh, what was it like on the other side for you Addie it was it was a little bittersweet because you you knew the emotion that was on that bench and you'd do anything to be out there with the girls. But I was lucky because I still got to go on the ice after because oh, nice. I was the skills coach. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be in the picture, um, which was very cool because uh, to be a part of a picture like that was a dream that I had when I played, but we never got to actually play a game like that there. So that's why I was, you know... Some people, when it gets into double overtime, they're leaving. Mm-hmm. We had people coming. People oh, wow. were hearing about the game coming. Yeah. It was it was so cool to just be able to sit back and watch, you know, the good old brown jerseys pull it through, which was huge. Well, and the best part was all the Alberta parents had to catch their flight home. Oh, oh yeah. Really? Their side just cleared <laughs> out by, like, the second yeah. overtime, so it was just by them. Yeah. yeah. That's and, awesome. Um, sorry, I just wanted to ask you something before way back, because I think the Nationals thing is a huge huge 
part of your journey and it's a major thing but you have a really unique situation being able to play NCAA and U sport so do you see the because growing up you know it's always the NCAA division yeah. one everybody always wants that it's all girls really hear about do you kind of feel that gap closing with NCAA and U sport yeah, for sure. Like when I was at St. Mary's, I was kind of the, that was the goal, right? You get a full scholarship, you you go play, you play at the highest level that you can. And when I was there, it was obviously viewed as Division One, just because yeah. those schools have a lot more money and they can offer a lot more. So that's when I said coming back to my second year, having to adapt. Like it was a very strong league, the the Can West Division. Like I'm biased because I played in it, but I think it's the strongest division in U sport. Agreed. Um, overall, like overall yeah. with all the teams. So, um, and every year you just hear about more and more girls staying home, like, and not choosing to go down south. So I think um, it's slowly, well, maybe fast actually, in the last few years, starting to close. And in I love it in preseason because teams will go down to play and they'll win like okay. West teams will beat or OUA yeah. teams will beat and it's not to say that that team's bad but it's just proving that it is becoming more equal I think yeah yeah no that's great yeah and I because I always thought this exact same thing you were just talking about we would always go down to North Dakota yeah right and you never hear about the games when we won right we never you know but when they won it was everywhere you yeah. know so I just find that especially for people listening and wanting to become more educated about female hockey, you know, there's more opportunities out there and it's not specifically one avenue, right? Like you were able to take partake in both yeah. mm-hmm. and, you know, had a well, really I, good experience. I loved coming back and seeing the group that we have at Bison's. Like people are working part-time jobs throughout the year or they're grinding to get school and pay for their rent and all that kind of thing. And it it just shows like our team's work ethic and I'm sure it's a common theme across U sport just because and we just don't have as much funding as those schools do, but um, it definitely correlates onto the ice with how hard these girls grind in in, in away from the rink and then coming in and having to, to put all the work in there as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So um Let's just talk quickly a little bit more about skill development. So I always like to ask uh, players when I have them, you know, if you could talk to your younger self, what would some advice be to, you know, a younger Jordy Zacharias on the skill development side? Maybe something that you, for me, a lot of times I wish I would have worked a little bit more on my edges as a younger player. Uh, That took me a little bit until I was almost, you know, almost in junior before I started really working at it. What's something that you would tell a younger Jordy Zacharias? Um, We actually joke about all the time, uh, me and Maggie, that we became better hockey players when we started working here because you learn all these (laughs) different skills. And for Maggie, she's like, well, I'm retired now, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, growing up, like I did a lot of power skating, but not like the Edric was different from what I, we never focused on that as much. It was Mm -hmm. mostly your stride. So I was always a fairly good skater, but then I think that I wish I did the little habits more. And it wasn't until I matured more into university that I realized what shooting 100 pucks a day in the backyard or having a good diet and drinking enough water, it was all those little things, even within the last couple of years that have really like sunk in that they make that big of a difference. Mm -hmm. Because we just, especially with shooting, I think for girls, it's gonna be a lot more repetition and like gaining that upper body strength to try and get a harder shot. Um, or stick handling or whatever it might be but I was always working out and training in the summer so 
that part um, I'm glad that I did. But I also played a lot of other sports too, which I'm also glad. So this isn't really advice. I'm just saying all the things I liked. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, for me, it was realizing those habits sooner, I think, that and how much of an impact that they make when, when you're younger too. Yeah, because I think one of the biggest things that you bring to the sessions that we have is your attention to detail right like you want every nitty gritty piece of every skill that we go over because you want to do it right and you want to be able to apply it into your games Mm -hmm. like your speed is way way up from where it used to be right and I would say the skill from this year that maybe put in the tool belt is 10 and 2 shooting oh yeah yeah. I almost ripped my groin off. But <laughs> the first session, the first session <laughs> coming rip. around in the progression, there was yeah. a big there was a big rip there. But honestly, in the in the last couple scrimmages, you've been able to come off the half wall and yeah. incorporating that into your game, especially being in a good position to make a play off the half wall, I think is one of your biggest strengths. Well that's a kind of like what I was gonna say. It's kinda of cool because you are still playing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you, I know you talked about Maggie saying, Well, I'm done. Yeah. Right? And that's like me too. Like I feel like I've gotten a lot better in the last 10 years than I than I was as a hockey player, especially in the skating department and stuff like that. But for you, it's pretty cool because you, you know, you get to teach it, right? You, first of all, you learn it, then you teach it, but yeah. you're getting double the reps, yeah. right? And I always tell players, you know, you can, you can see a player in a skill development practice and they might look really good doing, say, a 10 and 2 shot, but until you bring that out in a scrimmage or a game, it's not a, it's not a tool yet, yeah, yeah. right? So it must be kind of cool for you where you're getting to rep some of these a little bit more, like a little bit more often than yeah. the average player, and then you're able to bring that out into a game. Yeah, it's pretty funny right now because I coach at, in the afternoon the exact same session pretty much, just a lesser advanced of what I'm doing on the ice in the evening. So mm-hmm. I come and I already kind of know what we're doing, but then it's it's so different from when you're trying to explain it and then you're trying to do it like it but yeah kind of having that knowledge a little bit ahead of time going into it and then girls in line will be like so wait what are we doing yeah (laughs) um so yeah that's kind of cool cool jordy uh seeing as how it's a different year with covid and stuff you just turned pro how is that going to work and anything different than other years yeah so things are a little bit up in the air right now so where i'm playing is called the pwhpa which is technically not considered a league it's an association so it's the professional women's hockey player association um so they play in showcase tournaments to try and get as much exposure about the women's game as they can try and get as many fans as they can community engagement and it's all about promoting the female game so obviously with covid that might be a little bit different because of fan restrictions and all that kind of stuff but uh, my camp starts september 11th to the 13th so um, you can kind of pick the region that you would like to go to and try out for or attend and so I'll be going to Calgary okay. and going from there. So they have a travel roster and then they also have other girls that'll come and play for like inter-squad games, exhibition games. So I don't know the exact roster size, um, but the travel rosters would be a regular 22 or 23. Okay. Um, yeah, they still plan to have this uh, six showcase tournaments this year. Um, but it kind of just depends on when when they're able to but essentially how this was formed was they want to be able to have a sustainable league by paying their players a livable wage okay so right now everyone that plays in the association aside from some of the olympic players that have sponsorships and endorsements are working full-time jobs and training on the side so 
it just shows, I think, how much passion these women have for the game, and they just want to leave it better than how they found it. Sure. So it's all about trying to create a future for for young girls to be able to play for a livable wage. And um, so I think it's a pretty unique situation in, in league that they're, or association, I guess, that they're, they're put together. And when the league folded last year, they threw this together in about two months for last year. So I think this year they're going to have even more resources and... Um, had more time to kind of plan for it, mm-hmm. granted, with COVID, but um, they have people like Billie Jean King that's cool. involved, trying to help them out. Um, some of different organizations that help with the WNBA and so on, but it's all about getting the female game out there. And so if anyone had watched the NHL All-Star game last year, they had the women's three-on-three. So all of those players are a part of the association that, okay. uh, that played in it. So it's a little bit different than your typical league, but it's kind of more of a think about the future rather than a short-term fix kind of thing. So Yeah, which I think is really smart, and I think it's going to make a massive impact, which, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think, because I remember talking about this stuff when I was younger. Like, it's crazy to think that we're still there, but this is going to be a massive thing, and I'm so happy and proud of you for doing it because it is a massive commitment. Um one of the things too is the entire board of directors for it are all players or former players. Oh, cool! So you know that it's just driven by love and, and passion, passion yeah. and everybody wants it to succeed and do well. But do you have some notable names that you're going to be playing with? So in the Calgary region, um, <laughs> Rebecca Johnston's there, Brianna Decker from USA. Um, I'm trying to think, Megan Mickelson. Um, I don't want to butcher it in French, but Anne-Renée Desviennes, she's goalie. Yeah. So she's from Montreal. Um, So those are some of the Olympic players, both Canadian and American, that are in the Calgary region. Was Mickelson on The Amazing Race? Yes. With Natalie Spooner? Yes. Which she would be... No, she's the Toronto Spooner would be Toronto. So the regions are Calgary, Toronto, Montreal... Minnesota, and then it's New England. I'm just not, I can't remember exactly which, which city it is, but it's a New England region, okay. Buffalo or Rochester, New York, something like that. But it is interesting because everybody knows, like, it's almost like every four years, everybody gets reminded of all these incredible women that are right. playing the sport. But it's like every person, when you bring up all these female players, they're like, are those the two that were on the amazing yeah. race? Yeah. yeah. Which is like, pure gold for saying representation for sure yeah works yeah you know what i mean it's like clearly it works because everybody remembers how they absolutely killed it that season yeah right so it's just cool cool too because like i mean you know i I watch olympic hockey right and girls men whatever right and as soon as i saw them on the amazing race i was like that's pretty cool right like uh, not only would it be fun for them but again you're getting word out about what you're doing yeah right and getting people to go oh cool like there's some people that watch the amazing race that aren't hockey fans in general let alone do they know that uh, there's women out there that are playing at a high high level right so it gets it gets people talking that may not even know anything about hockey which i kind of thought was cool too yeah um one question I have for you, just kind of before we get going here, um, do you get excited? Do you get excited thinking that you're kind of a pioneer? I know that you, you would like for the, you know, and same with Addy. I'm sure you guys would like the female game to be growing even faster than it already is. But uh, is it cool for you guys to? you know like you're part of this right like you're 20 years from now 
girls that are coming through are going to look at you and go, you know, thank God for those girls that, you know, kind of put in the hard work and, and got us paid, right? Is that kind of exciting for you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's probably not going to be in my lifetime that it's going to be um, where we want it to be, but I think it's cool to be a part of it and just to be able to go to this camp in September and compete for me, like with these players that I've looked up to for so long. So sure. that part of it's going to be really exciting and a little bit nerve wracking. But yeah, I think um, it's it's going to be coming up in the next few years, I think, where big changes are happening because this generation of Olympic players and board members are really, really pushing for it. And I think it's just proving that the more that you get it out there, people are going to learn more about it and want to watch more, right? Sure. So. Everyone, when I say, oh, like, I'm going to be playing in the PWHPA, no one knows what it is. But if I tell them, oh, well, did you watch the NHL three-on-three? Then, oh, yeah, I know. Or do you, they know who all the Olympic names are because they watch the Olympics. So mm-hmm. if they can put the product out there and more people are watching it on TV or wherever, then it's going to get more people out to the game, well, I that's think. A, and that's the thing. Like, when I, like, I have two nieces, right? And... Like it was, it was funny. Like like uh, during the winter, my niece who plays hockey, she's a goalie now. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> she loves the loves the sport, loves being a goaltender. But you know, she asked me like, why when I turn on the TV on Saturday, why don't I see women playing? Yeah. Right. And you know, like it's a tough question, right? And you kind of go like, she asked me, why do I see them? Uh, why do I only see them once in a while? Yeah. You know, whether it's a world championship or Olympics or whatever, I see how excited my niece gets for it. And as, as a male, I hope that it, it does catch up quick because again, you want, I want my nieces inspiring to be pro hockey players. You know, yeah. like I want them there. I want them to see what they can do with hockey. And are we there yet? No, we're not. We're not even close in my mind. But what I like is that there's there's a little bit of traction, right. you know, a little bit of traction going now where hopefully, uh, like I said, in a couple of years from now that there will be a little bit more of that where, you know, I know some girls like my other niece plays basketball. Yeah. Right. Well, there is and a WNBA. And well, yeah. Right. And that's cool for her. Like yeah. she watches WNBA games. And that's where the whole conversation started, where right. my niece Ruby is like, well, why isn't, why can't I watch girls hockey, right? So it is pretty, you know, I, I think we do have a, a ways to go, yeah. but it's nice to see that uh, that there is some traction and girls like you are kind of starting to, you know, push even harder. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be, you know, the biggest thing coming down the pipe because everybody, it's always this debate of what's going to be the thing that's going to push it over the edge. And in my opinion, you know, we're already, we're already there. Every single time you talk to somebody, they're like, holy man, those girls can play hockey. Like, it's not bad hockey by no. any means. Like, no. not even close. They're athletic beasts. You know, they train so hard. They do everything right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just that exposure piece of just letting girls and parents and being a parent of a boy like Harrison will know about female hockey you know what I mean because I think there is a little bit of that too where we want to educate girls and we want to educate parents but we really need to educate everybody on it because little boys should be supporting girls to play hockey at the highest level 
you know so I think it's just full-on exposure across the board when you're talking to parents is there anything that always comes up for you when you're well one parents and kids it's like well they think after university they're done like that's the highest that they're ever they don't they've never even heard of the nwhl or going maybe to play in europe and make some money or the pwhk whatever it is like people just think and parents too right they've never heard of these leagues so they just think oh well after university and that sometimes discourages parents i think from having their daughter pursue because well you're never going to make any money mm-hmm. off of it or the best you're going to get is an education out of it which i think is great but um to know that you know you could keep playing afterwards and there is something else to push for is super important. Because we haven't even mentioned Erica Reeder, who also skates with us that in Sweden right now, who's a paid pro athlete, mm-hmm. right? So there's so many opportunities for women that aren't even talked about. I think the more exposure you know athletes like Jordy can do is is unreal. You should just go everywhere, hey? You are a triple threat at the rink. All right, triple threat. Last thing we're gonna say. So why is she a triple threat? She's a coach, she's a player, and she is a model, okay? (laughs) We talked to Max Martin just recently. He's a male model, the Derek Zoolander of the facility. If you wanna check out Jordy's modeling career, go to your computer uh, or your tablet, type in therink.ca, check out the rink store. You're gonna see tons and tons of rink merchandise, all very well priced by the way, I might add. I picked up some sweatpants, they're looking pretty snazzy. Uh, But anyways, check out Jordy. Uh, Great pictures, Jordy, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) You're natural. Is this your first modeling career? It it was my first game, yeah. Anybody out there looking for a model? First of many. Jordy. Contact my manager, Taylor Bradshaw. (laughs) Taylor Bradshaw is what a surprise, the manager. She's everybody's manager these days. Um, Well, thanks for coming on, Jordy. Addy. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Uh, we we wish you all the best of luck in your you know your pro uh, career and and everything that you're working towards. And again, thanks for coming on. Over to Zach she's streaming and she makes a nice move back and oh, top jump scores. Oh, wow! Beautiful goal by. Jordy Zachary. So that was a great interview uh, with Jordy Zachary. We also had uh, Addy Miles Abbott on as well, talking about the female side. Uh, one thing that I thought was really cool, too, was uh, when they talked about, or when Jordy talked about how U of M and the CIS is very similar to the NCAA, but just doesn't have, I guess, the, the same funding as the, the NCAA. Yeah, you know, my background in the female game, there's been a lot of players that have played at U Sport, uh, you know, and competed at the national level we had you know two players on our olympic team when we went to the olympics in 2018 that played on the u sport team so it's both are very comparable leagues it comes down to personal choice Mm -hmm. um it's nice to stay in canada you don't have to go down south it's closer for parents and all that but you know it's it's a great opportunity wherever you go it's just great to see and we hope to see that u sport can get can expand and get a little bit more funding to get the support they need I thought it was cool too how, you know, she's like a pioneer. I've talked to a couple of females that are, you know, either playing pro or making that jump to pro. And, you know, they all say the same thing, you know, like they're fighting for a wage. And, and I I think it's pretty cool that they're in this moment. Obviously, it, would they like to get paid a lot more and have that done already? Yeah, for sure. But it's something to be said about the, the women coming up now that are taking this fight on and fighting for the next generation of, of female hockey players coming through. 
Yeah, 100%. You know, every year it gets a little bit better. Every year there seems to be another obstacle that they have to overcome. But hopefully one day they get the funding and, you know, that it's for, you know, Jordy Zacharias, his family, or somebody's going to that skated with her, her here at the rink in her training or something along the way, watched her play as a bison that, uh, you know, remembered her and said, hey, I've started playing women's hockey because of her and now I have a career with it. So. That's great. Any, uh, any plans for the rest of the week for you? Not really. Just uh, hope to get back on the ice, get back in, uh, you know, kind of training sh- uh, shape on the ice and then uh, continue to watch hockey and uh, see what's going to happen. I think some of these series are going to be some wars out there, so it's nice to sit back, have a glass of wine and relax. Shake the sand out of your skates. Exactly. Hey? Yeah. Do you wear your skates on the beach or no? No, no I've never done that, no. It's bad for the blades, I heard. <laughs> How about you? Uh, no, I don't wear my blades on the uh, beach either. <laughs> He's heating up Uh, for me. uh, Yeah, getting back. I feel great. Uh, That's my second day back. I feel like a million bucks now, but that first day was pretty bad. Yeah, it's about the same for me. Maybe, you know, I got a new truck, so take it for... uh, I've been trying to take it off-roading, and here's what I found. I follow the rules, I think. I, I, I break the rules a little bit, but I'm a rule follower, okay? So when I get in, I want to go off-roading. Well, you have to go off the road to go off-roading. I'm so scared that I'm going to turn down an off-road trail, and it's either I'm going to get in trouble, maybe I'll be on someone's property, whatever. So I need, and this is a shout-out to anybody out there who likes off-roading and knows what they're doing. DM me. I don't care. Get in touch with me. I want to go off-roading somewhere where there's not a bunch of trees because the paint on my truck's too nice. So somewhere where there's some like mud and stuff like that. I want to get her dirty, you know, but I'm so scared to do it by myself because what if I get stuck too? I don't know how to get out of those. So anybody who knows how to off-road, please get in touch with me because I'd love to go off-roading. I now have an off-roading machine, so that's what I'm doing. Well, good luck with that. I'm excited to hear what our followers come up with. Yeah, probably nothing because they've yet to help me out on any of my my well, askings on this podcast. You keep asking. You always have a chance, right? That's right. And Chewy, it's like my good friend Tebe once told me, Jared, leave your door open because you never know when opportunity is going to knock. It's a great quote by Tebe. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week.